It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Welcome to another Tuesday discussion. I'm here with my great friend, Eric Ludy. Good to see you, sir. Oh, it's fun being here. I'm excited for another week. Well, today we have a great question that actually applies to every area of life, but the question itself is, what is the oft-overlooked secret to prayer? You said that very well. You were practicing a little I, bit I had beforehand. to. It was, it was, a, yeah. it was a hard sentence, yeah. actually. <laughs> we, we had a lot of laughter going on before we even started this one, and you got corrected because you're not supposed to laugh directly into the mic. You were getting some audio clipping on your laughter. Yeah, it's I don't know what that says. painful to my soul. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if that clipped. Like, oh. yeah. <laughs> How do you not laugh into the mic? We love to laugh. That is ridiculous. Can you believe David would even ask us to do that, to not laugh into the They're mic? Almost offensive. Yeah, uh, and so I will deal with him after that. But so what is the oft overlooked? secret to prayer. Yep. Uh, I think it is uh, overlooked oftentimes because when we think of prayer, we think of something that is derived from in us. In a strange way, we do this. And I'm not exactly sure where it comes from, but as we're growing up, we sort of brainstorm our prayers. Like we're in a prayer time, we're thinking, what should I pray? Because I want to look spiritual. I want to pray. I want to, because God's asking me to pray. But we don't realize that prayer is actually derived, and the strength of prayer, the initiative of prayer, the impetus of prayer is derived from heaven. It is actually the Holy Spirit that is in, intending to pray through us. We're supposed to be a house of prayer, uh, just like Jesus is going to come into the temple of God and you know with his whip, and he's going to turn over some money changers' tables. This is a house of prayer for all nations. And then Paul's going to say, hey, you do know that you're the temple of God, right? So we're a house of prayer. What dwells in the house? The Holy Spirit. And so as a result, this idea that the Holy Spirit is supposed to be the author of prayer, I think is very simply what the oft overlooked secret to prayer. So could you unpack that a little bit? Because when I hear prayer, you know, I, I have that old school mentality of, okay, I'm going to go into a closet. I'm going to lock the door. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give my list to God. Yeah. That's actually not what yeah. prayer fully is. There's actually, even biblically, there's a whole spectrum of what prayer is. So when you're talking about this idea of, okay, here's the Holy Spirit, and he's supposed to enable us or to yeah. be the generator of our praying, yeah. okay, what does that even look like? What does that even mean? Yeah. And how do, I even, how, do, how do I even do that if I'm just used to giving God a, a, a short list? And, and part of it is, it's like you're asking me, so Eric, how, how can you be married? You know, some, it's a question that's hard to explain to someone who's single. Right. And the same is true with prayer. There's part of it that you have to actually start doing. And so, but I, I can give some of the mechanics of it, and it comes out in Romans 8, where we see this idea uh, of Paul expressing, you know, I don't know how I ought to pray. And yet, then he gives the flip side to that, but the Spirit of God is going to make intercession for me. And so, what does that mean? And so, the idea of intercession, classically understood, in the New Testament, it's almost always used, if not exclusively, in the arena of prayer. And, but it's a different word, intuchano. This word in Romans 8 is actually the word hooper intuchano. And it's this massive word. If you look at it in the Greek, you just sort of laugh because like if that ever came up in a spelling bee, no one would ever be a spelling <laughs> champion. It's such a weird word, uh, but it is a great word. And it is so descriptive. It is one of the most descriptive words that I've ever come across in, in the Greek. And it is, it, so intuchano means intercession, it's like to help or to stand on behalf of someone. But hooper means like above it, but it also means like to cover, 
to enable, to help. And so it's this idea, we, we translate it as hyper, right? So it's like hyper intercession. This is what the Spirit of God brings. So my mental picture, even the way it's described, is almost like a father coming around a child. And so my mental picture is a putt-putt green. And, you know, as I had these little kids, they were all little at once. We had six kids, six and under at one point in time. And so putt-putting was quite the adventure for Daddy Ludi, right? You'd go out there and, you know, Hudson, the oldest, you know, he can do it. And, you know, he's not doing very good, but he, he can do it on his own. And then the little kids, you know, they just, you know, are holding their, their uh, I can't think of what, club all incorrectly and hitting the ball into the bush. It's like, okay, no, no. And so daddy, because they want to do better on their, their score, they haven't even gotten it onto the green, let alone, you know, into the hole. And so daddy would come over them. They would invite daddy to come over them. And I would correct their hands on the putt, putter. And then I would say, okay, here we go. Here we go. And then I'd, I'd take it back and we'd hit the ball. And, you know, I'd like to say it was always a hole in one. With God, it always is. But the point is, I could say, whose scorecard would that go on? Well, it would go on little Lily's scorecard, right? And yet little Lily, all she was doing is submitting to daddy who knows how to putt-putt. And Lily says, I don't know how to putt-putt. I don't know how to putt-putt as I ought. <laughs> so daddy is going to hooper and to chano. He is going to overshadow her, superintend the movements to actually hit the ball as it ought to be hit. So even though I as a human don't know how I ought to pray, I have the Holy Spirit who hooper into canos and who actually fixes my hands on the putter and says, here we go. All right, there we go. And uses this body to accomplish his heavenly ends. And I love that illustration. <clears throat> Spurgeon used the a very similar metaphor using the bow and arrow, the father yeah. reaching over, pulling back. And it's the pulling. Obviously, there's a lot of tension, right? With the, I've never done bow and arrows, but oh, yeah, I have. No, I can. Have, I can. Right, yeah. So with Kip. Uh, but here's this father, and he pulls the weight, and so the whole bowstring is being pulled on the strength of the father, yeah. and yet the the boy gets the credit for the, right. the shot of the arrow. And, and it's it such would a be, beautiful picture. It'd be too much pull strength for the boy to right. do, and the same is true with us. We What we are called to do in the spiritual realm is actually far beyond what we are capable of doing yeah. in our own strength, but God didn't design us for our own strength. He built us to be dependent, and we don't like that. In North American Christianity, we don't really like that idea. And so as a result, we sort of cleanse Christianity of that at the very get-go. It's like, okay, Jesus Christ has saved you. Now, it's sort of up to you. And when in actuality, it's all up to him. The whole time, salvation is up to him, and the sanctification process, the growing, the maturing in faith, the praying even, the obeying is all a work of God's Hooper and Tuchano. And so, like you said, this is not just for prayer, even though in Romans 8, it's being applied to that. It's also for life. If we were to say, what's the oft-overlooked secret for living the Christian life? It would be, well, the enabling power of the Holy Spirit to do it. Yep. Well, I think it's important to recognize too that unlike the putt-putt illustration or the bow and arrow illustration, the metaphor, he's not training us so that we can get to the point where we can finally do it on our own. Yeah. The amazing reality of the Christian life is that we are always to be dependent. Uh, we are always to be sourced by the spirit of God in our life. So it's not like we're finally going to graduate to this point where it's like, okay, now I can pray. Now I can live the Christian life and God, you can just sit this one out over there. The reality is, is he actually wants to enable through his grace, the impetus of my life and mm-hmm. prayer for the rest of my life. That's right. And I think there, there's a, a derangement that has come into modern Christianity, and I, I could just say in the North American version, some of the best-selling books in the past 
you know, 20 years had to do with the fact that God actually is, is a father, yes, but as a good father, he is going to train you to become independent of himself. And I would say, no, no, <laughs> no, he's a good father, but he's different than an earthly father. And we're different than earthly sons. We are spiritual sons and our spiritual sonship, we are always dependent upon our heavenly father. Yeah. And the illustration and just the proof for that, just laying there on the surface of the scripture is Jesus. Jesus, even at the age of 33, is only speaking what his father is speaking, only doing what his father is doing. He is totally wholly dependent. And apart from him, we can do nothing. And so that isn't something to be ashamed of or to make excuses for. It's like, well, God, I'm sure didn't intend that. No, he did intend that. And it's okay. It's okay for us to conclude that in and of ourselves, we can't pull this off. We don't like to say that in the human side of us, but in the spiritual man, I, I actually get a glee in my soul when I recognize, no wonder I couldn't do it. It actually explains so much of why I couldn't overcome that sin, why I couldn't do this in my own strength. It's because he must be the one doing it. But when he does do it, hey, we actually are able to participate in godliness. Right. And when <clears throat> we live that life of surrender, that abiding, that dependence, I love the fact that it's truly only Jesus that gets the credit. Yeah. In other words, it's like the Gideon story where, I actually get no credit for the fact that I'm walking in victory or I get no yeah. credit because of the fact that God is doing something in my life. He gets all the praise and the glory, which is amazing. Amen. One, just to kind of wrap up this time, just to put you on the spot. Oh, okay. thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, okay, that's a great concept. So what does that mean practically? Let's, let's just take prayer since yeah. that was kind of the the picture in the Romans uh, 8.26 yeah. passage. How does that apply practically? So here I am, I, I come to God in my prayer, prayer time and I don't want to just pray. I don't want to just give a God a list, yeah. even though speaking of God, giving a list is not bad. Yeah. But how do I, how do I lean upon the strength of the Holy Spirit in my praying or in my living yeah. uh, just so I can function as I ought to as a Christian? Yeah. And like I said in the beginning, part of this is like trying to answer a question for someone that almost just needs to do it. It's, it's right. like someone saying, how do you hear the voice of God? It's a, it's a hard thing to know. Or what does God's voice sound like? You know, it's like, ah. Uh, uh, what's it like to be married? Well, uh, what's it like to kiss? Well, it's it's pretty special, right? All these things are part of its experience, part of its knowledge. And there's a combo package in this. And part of it on the knowledge side, I can't address. And that is part of it means when you enter into a time of prayer to not go bullheaded in thinking it's up to you, but to start with the deference of saying, God, this is your time. I want you to define this. I want to pray as I ought, but I recognize that in and of myself, I don't know how to pray or even what to pray because I don't want to just presume. I want to pray what is on your heart. And so part of it is asking God, saying, God, here I am. I'm dependent. I don't know how to do this, but could you enable me? And acquainting yourself with the presence of God, listening to God, waiting on God, and like when I come into a prayer time, it's sort of a combo package of, of two things. One is I come in with knowing certain, I have burdens already. I'm coming in and I have certain thoughts. I, I have maybe a burden for one of my children, a burden for my wife, a burden for health for someone, a burden. And so I, I take those as very seriously that the Holy Spirit is showing me something to pray for. So I don't need to have him freshly say, pray for that because I already know to pray for that. Right. And then there's the second part, which is dependence, even when I'm praying, to allow him to steer me. 
because again, I don't know how I ought to pray. And it's the classic illustration of the 90 year old uh, with a terminal disease. They're a strong Christian. How do you pray? Because technically, if I'm 90 with a terminal disease, couldn't I just go to heaven? <laughs> I mean, doesn't that sound a lot more pleasant than going through something down here? I mean, I can't wait to get to heaven, right? So if, if you were saying, Eric, how do you want me to pray for you? It's like, I don't know. It depends. What does God want? What is good? Does God want me to stay here longer? Does he want to supernaturally heal me so I can live to 95? If so, then by golly, that's exactly what it should be. But that's where we come to that point where we don't want to guess. We want to actually just walk in stride with God. God is what, what is your maximum glory in this situation? I submit to you. And that's what I ask for. Mm, amen. That's so good. Well, <clears throat> before we let you go, we just want to give you a media piece looking at our upcoming week-long training. We're so excited and we'd love to have you join us. Our one-week training is sort of our cheater's way of helping all of you gain a foundation and get started in this grand epic adventure known as following after Jesus. And if there was ever a time in history where we need to be grounded and sound on the Word of God, boy, it's now. Our desire isn't to lead you to us, it's to lead you to Jesus. And so that you can take this hope of eternal life back to your home, to your church, to your family, and see them changed as well. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is streamed daily, Monday through Friday, from our studio in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekend church service is delivered live and streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellersley.com. Note that our live weekday in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume this upcoming June in conjunction with our training season. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.